Hi everybody, well it is time for another Awesome Women podcast. Now today's podcast is slightly different as we have the guest speaker from our July event at the Gold Coast. Now unfortunately this event was um, postponed or brought online as a virtual event due to COVID restrictions. Now our guest speaker, which we are excited to introduce, is Maddie. Now, Maddie is the development manager at Destination Gold Coast Consortium. Now, Maddie has a fabulous story. She's going to share with us her upcoming projects. And now I'm going to hand it over to Maddie. Hi, everyone. I'm Maddie. Thank you so much for having me this evening to the awesome women in construction team. And then also, obviously, Adam from Beaumont Tiles for having invited me. Adam's somebody that I've worked with for a little while now. So it was a great opportunity to meet some new people as well. Thank you. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, I'm development manager for Destination Gold Coast Consortium, uh, known as DGCC. And I'll talk a little bit more about the company and my role there and the project as we go through. So while I figure out how to present on two screens. So don't wanna like go into too much detail or bore anyone. So I thought I would share four random things about me. One, I had a Steiner education, which is a little bit alternative, commonly known as um, the hippie kids. In fact, Poppy attended with me. We used to ride our horses to school. So we had quite a different education, I guess you would say. Um, at the moment, I'm trying my hand at calisthenics, which is body weight fitness, essentially. Um, have achieved my PB of 105 kilo deadlift, but I still can't do a handstand after six months. This stuff is like next world hard. So that's my current life challenge at the moment. Um, overseas trips, super random. I'm obsessed with overseas supermarkets. It's like one of the first things that I have to do when I go overseas is go and check out their foreign supermarkets, um, closely followed by finding the best spot to view the city from and have a drink where possible. Um, and then I guess why I'm here is I live for all things property. Property is something that I do obviously as my nine to five, which is probably more like my nine till seven or something along those lines outside of that. Um, I've bought and renovated a few properties. I'm always looking on realestate.com, looking at designing things, seeing how many things I can change in my house on the weekend. It's never ending. Um, it's just something that I absolutely adore. So I guess I'm one of those people that everybody hates and gets to say that I found a career that I really enjoy and am passionate about. So the journey so far that got me to where I am with DGC today, um, like everyone, I've had all of those high school sort of jobs, but I guess where the career path really started for me was university. I studied um, at the University of Queensland amongst some others along the way, but that's where I graduated from and did a Bachelor of Business and majored in real estate and development. Then while I was studying uh, full-time, I also worked at probably the two companies that started to give me my foot in the door into property was 
What Realty, which was a small boutique uh, residential real estate company, um, which quickly told me that sales and residential real estate wasn't where I wanted to be. I loved property and the tangibility of it, but it didn't have enough of maybe the more design and commercial element of it. So I then jumped ship to YPM Group, which is a project marketing agency. So they specialize in off the plan sales. I stayed with them for a number of years, which is actually where I met uh, the director of our company, DGC, Jamie Kali. She was the development manager for Anthony John Group at the time and managing um, Emporium, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with in Brisbane. Um, at that time, she was development manager. There's obviously not a huge amount of female development managers in the industry. So I was close to finishing my degree and said to her, Jamie, let me take you for ice cream. Um, what's it going to take for me to come and work for you? You're somebody that I would love to learn from. And obviously, as a role model in the industry and being female, she was somebody that I respected greatly. Um, the time came that she left Anthony John Group and was asked to become director of Destination Gold Coast Consortium, which is, again, a, not a common role that you see for females in the industry. So she has taken the bull by the horns and essentially we were a startup and I'll talk about how DGC came to be in a moment. Um, I joined as the third member of DGC and was project coordinator. So they brought me on initially to assist in the sales and marketing to launch a project, to get that off the ground because that's where I obviously had the experience. And that was my foot in the door for the development side of things where I really got to start using my degree and following more the path that I was passionate about, adding all the elements of commercial design um, and I guess a bit of business as well. So after a little while, they then promoted me through to assistant development manager as the project grew and that role became something that was available. And then here we are four years later, um, recently was made development manager for that project or for, for our master plan, I should say. So our team is split into sort of two phases, being a development team and a delivery team. So each of those parts sit across our entire development, all of the stages. So I will look after the development side for towers one and two and future stages that I'll show you in a moment as well. So who is DGC? We are an entity, we're like the illegitimate cousin to Queen's Wharf. So everybody knows Queen's Wharf, which is run by Destination Brisbane Consortium team. We have the same parents, they're just high profile and we're just the Gold Coast guys. Um, we tend to fly below the radar a little bit from a corporate perspective. So as everybody would know, we had three joint venture partners come together for the bid of Queen's Wharf, which is a large scale, high profile, um, public and government based bid at the time. So our parent companies are the Star Entertainment Group, who obviously own um, the Star Gold Coast, the Star Sydney, as well as Treasury Casino in Brisbane. They partnered with Far East Consortium, who is uh, Hong Kong Exchange listed, but they have a large development presence in Melbourne. 
Then we also have Chow Tai Fook, who is anybody that um, has lived in Hong Kong or China, this is a household name. Their jewelry stores are on every corner. They have their finger in every pie. Um, they recently purchased a Linter Energy, which is a name that sort of started to come up in our energy market. They are just mammoth. Uh, so between the three of them, they thought, well, you know, Queen's Wharf's not enough. Let's redevelop, it, redevelop the Gold Coast as well, um, as well as a number of other projects around Australia. And from that, Destination Gold Coast Consortium is born. And we are purely there as the development and delivery entity for the master plan development at Broadbeach Island or the Star Gold Coast. Uh, all right, so before we get into the detail of the project itself, I thought I'd share just four quite unique and interesting things about the development. So it's located on Broadbeach Island, which is a 6.7 hectare island, which is actually privately owned by Star. So the roads coming into it are privately owned and the island itself is owned by them. Given that that's a privately owned island, they're actually governed by their own planning act. So that's the Jupiter's Casino Act 1983, which means that they are not governed uh, by the Gold Coast City Council for 90% of what they wanna do on the island. They can go and build a car park tomorrow if they so choose to. The only exception to that is residential, which is when your normal um, development conditions, infrastructure contributions and the like would apply. So we are governed by that, but otherwise it is their island. So Star run the ship there quite closely with um, the Office of Liquor and Gaming because they're obviously the casino license across the island as well for their existing property. The other part of our project that's really unique is that we're considered a brownfield site. So quite often you get a greenfield site from a development perspective, which is, let's just say, a, a block of dirt and you are building from the ground up, so to speak. Ours is a little bit more challenging in that we're not only interfacing with our surrounds, but it's an existing and operational property around us and it's 24 hours. The casino does not sleep. So we have many different logistical challenges around working with that. Obviously we are considering gaming, food and beverage, hotel guests sleeping, and I'm sure everybody can appreciate piling, roadblocks, things like that also make it quite an interesting experience for everybody involved. So we work very closely with the STAR and their projects team that work on the island. Another tidbit that's interesting was when the casino was originally built, the Act stated that casino and hotel couldn't fall under the same roof. So you'll see in the pictures as we go forward that the gaming floor and the hotel itself are not in the same structure. Nowadays, if you walk through the Star Casino, you'll see that there is a shade sale system that connects the two, but it is not a structure per se, and that's how they bridge that gap by not having interconnecting gaming and hotel offerings. So, how it started. <laughs> this is Broadbeach and Broadbeach Island in the 1960s. So it looked very different to what we see today. And it was a caravan park. 
1985, the star Grand was built, which is formally known as Jupiter's Casino. So this was a $185 million build at the time. Um, it is 596 hotel rooms throughout. So this was the original building that we now refer to as the Star Grand. Next one is they then came along and added the Darling Hotel that you can see sits on the front of the island. Uh, and that opened in 2018, just in time for the Com Games. So that is a 56 suite only six star hotel. Then we start to talk about how it's going today. So this is where DGC stepped in and we started redeveloping the island. So Tower One. Tower One is our first tower on the island at 53 stories. We have a six level podium that you can see. Oh, I don't know if you can see my mouse. Six level podium down the bottom, a 313 key four and a half star Dorset hotel in the blue section in the middle. This will be the first Dorset hotel to open in Australia. There will be a number of them that follow. Queen's Wharf, Perth, Sydney and Melbourne will all also open Dorset hotels um, through similar parent companies, essentially. Uh, we then have sitting in the middle to break up the tower, which is a little bit unique, is our residential rec deck that sits on level 20. And then above that is our 422 residential apartments, one and two bedroom apartments sit in there. So that's a $300 million value to the tower. Hutchinson builders are there at the moment and will complete works top out at the end of August at the moment, and then due for opening for the star residences and the Dorset in early 2021. So you can see down the bottom, I've just put um, an indicative render of one of the larger two beds on the corner, amazing views, and then our unique Dorset hotel rooms, which actually, despite when we first saw the rendering that these designers did, we we're like, oh, you want to put palm leaves on the carpet and a pink wall? We're all a little bit skeptical, but have to say it actually looks really cool in person. So I thought I'd just share with you really quickly, hopefully it works, the time lapse of how construction is going. So this is just what's happened in the last month. Obviously, the jump form is progressing quite quickly for Tower 1. And you could see down in the bottom left-hand corner, um, Tower 2 groundworks have started as well. Oops. 
Sorry. All right. So Tower 2. We now also have Tower 2 under construction. So this is our second tower. This one will be 63 stories. Again, we follow the same composition of tower. Six-level podium. We have a 210-key five-star lifestyle branded hotel which hasn't been disclosed yet but keep your eyes peeled because that will be an exciting one when it does be it is released uh, above that again the orange section is again residential amenities and then this time 457 residential apartments we've got one two and three bedders left in this tower uh, multiplex are our main contractor for tower two and we've got a four year build. So they started early this year and they will be complete in 2024. So when we are all done, believe it or not, they will fit seven towers on the island. So there is the two existing that we talked about, the Darling and the Grand. There is the two towers under construction currently and three more to go. So the total master plan has been approved in this configuration. It will be the seven towers, as I mentioned, uh, 2,200 apartments as we see fit to um, disperse them amongst the towers, five hotels, obviously the existing gaming and casino, and over 7,000 square metres of retail and food and beverage and recreational space on the island. So there will be no missing it when we're done. <laughs> That's it. That's the 10 minute summary of Destination Gold Coast and what we're doing. So I thought I would see if there was any questions that anyone had. So when is this expected to be finished, Maddie? The entire master plan? Yeah, yeah. There is no timeline on it at the moment. It's subject to market conditions. Sure. Yeah, okay. And I guess, yeah, following on from like you've just said, market conditions, I was just wondering how the whole, you know, what's been going on in the world would have impacted your timeline to release or even start, um, you know, some of those other builds potentially, given you probably get a lot of tourists or from, from the Asian countries and whatnot. So how's that impacting? Sure. So from a residential sales perspective, I'm 95% sold on Tower 1 and we pretty much have been um, before COVID hit. We've just been ticking through those now. Tower 2, we at about 75% sold and so we were able to commence construction based on those numbers. Um, we have been very fortunate in terms of the impacts around covid that the construction industry hasn't seen huge slowdown. We've actually obviously been one of the industries that have continued to boost the economy, um, predominantly here in Queensland. I know other states have felt it differently. Um, then from a sales perspective, we've just seen a complete shift in who's buying. So we um, have put some more three bedders into Tower 2 to cater to that migration that we're getting of people from down south and downsizes and the like so we are still seeing a really fantastic rate of sale which obviously gives us confidence in continuing with construction future towers i couldn't specifically speak to the impacts of covid 
around those. However, we are also not restricted is not the right word, but have to strongly consider the operation of the existing um, property on the island. The more disruption that we are causing to the island, the more that impacts the day-to-day -day operation. So potentially to have, say, three or four towers under construction at any point in time is potentially not realistic. So that's part of it. Um, we would have to demolish a lot more of it. And then, of course, yes, how we think that more apartment sales would be received by the market. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. What's the cost of an average two-bedroom, Maddie? Uh, an average two-bedroom would be... Four parks fine. Yeah, around... Not, I won't be rushing out to get one. So you can <laughs> tell me. No, I can sign you up at the end of the time. No problem. So, yeah, the 600000 we don't have a lot left in that price point. But, yeah. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> Cool. All right. Well, if there is no more. Hey, Mads. Oh. Oh. Hey, Poppy. <laughs> Sorry, Mads. It's Poppy here. <laughs> Sorry, the, the um, internet's not great where I am, so hopefully it's not too much of a lag. But I was just curious, following on from the COVID question, with um, construction material, did you have any difficulties getting construction material and the cost? Has that blown out any of the budget? Not particularly in relation to Tower 1. Tower 2, the timing that we went to tender, absolutely. There was definitely a lot of builders who were like, oh, my God, COVID, it's happening. We're not quite sure how this is going to affect us long term. Um, and so initially there was some price increases that we saw there. However, fortunately enough, we were able to, with such a big project, we have quite a long period of time that we're in negotiation for tenders and things. And so we're able to work through a lot of those elements. Um, it didn't, our biggest issue would have been people on site from a COVID restriction and social distancing perspective. Um, at the peak of COVID, however, we were still in the lower levels, So it was still viable to ask the tradies to walk up and down the stairs. We were not completely reliant on hoists. If we were to have really strict lockdowns now, that might be a different story now that we're up at level 50. Yeah, right. Thanks for that. All right. So um, I'm just going to fulfill the cliche and leave just with a bit of a thought. I guess one of the biggest things that I've learned in my career and even on a day-to-day -day basis is that you have to go after what you want. If you don't ask for it, then you'll never know. So to keep moving forward and to just ask, worst case somebody says no or you might end up with a job on one of Australia's biggest projects. So my parting words. And other than that, thank you so much for having me.